Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity line. We have a Okay. Seen described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird murder. Speaking out against powerful people can get someone in a lot of trouble, maybe even cost them their lives. On December 9, 1935, a man who spoke out against corruption was killed on the street by powerful men. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Walter William Liggett was born on February 14, 1886, on a farm near Benson, Minnesota, to a Scotch-Irish family. Raised by a father who served in the 96th Ohio Infantry Regiment of the Union Army in the Civil War, was injured while suppressing the Cincinnati riots, and was considered a forward-thinking progressive Republican who was the founder and later dean of the Agricultural College of the University of Minnesota, Walter was taught to speak his mind and stand up for what he believed in. An intelligent young man, when he graduated from college, he began working for a series of newspapers in St. Paul, Skagway, Alaska, Pasco, Washington, and New York City. And though for years he was a card-carrying member of the American Socialist Party, considered himself an old-school Midwest populist socialist instead of a Marxist. By 1915, he was an active member of the Nonpartisan League of North Dakota and, during World War I, became the managing editor for the Press Bureau of the Nonpartisan League. He campaigned with U.S. Representative Charles August Lindbergh Sr., father of the infamous Charles Lindbergh, against the country's involvement in the First World War, becoming the man's speechwriter and secretary when he ran for governor, and was on the committee that founded and later established the Farmer Labor Party between 1918 and 1920. After working as a speechwriter and secretary for Senator Edwin Fremont Ladd, between the years of 1929 and 1930, Walter made himself a household name by publishing a series of articles for Plain Talk magazine, in which he described the corruption brought on by prohibition in cities like Washington, D.C., Boston, and Minneapolis. And when Congress held its first ever hearing on the efficacy of the practice in February of 1930, Walter was called on as the first witness to testify after being dubbed the most knowledgeable person on how and why the prohibition experiment wasn't working. For all that he wrote during that time period, Walter Liggett was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize in 1931. Not done speaking his mind, in 1932, Walter published a scathing biography on Herbert Hoover, 
that remains one of the best detailed and critical pieces on the man. Between the time he began writing and the year 1935, Walter William Liggett put out an impressive body of work that included countless articles in both newspapers and magazines, as well as four books. Literary successes that, of course, landed him quite a few enemies along the way. In 1932, while he was at home with his family writing, a man named Floyd B. Olson was elected as the governor of Minnesota on the farmer labor ticket. In 1933, he and his wife decided to move their two children back to his home state of Minnesota, where Walter planned on working in partisan journalism in an effort to help build the Farmer Labor Party into a viable third party on a more national scale. Arriving in St. Paul, the Liggett family was greeted by none other than the governor himself. It wasn't long, however, until the men became mortal enemies. Buying an old press and establishing his own newspaper, called the Midwest American Weekly, Walter soon found himself writing about the corruption he found within the Farmer Labor Party that developed over the last 12 years that he had been out east. Considered a radical local newspaper, he continued his one-man crusade to uncover a seedy underbelly of crime within the city and was trying to establish a link between that, politics, and men like Governor Floyd B. Olson. Though he saw his work as admirable, calling for Olson's impeachment, others, like the men he was fighting against, saw him as a liability. Pressing further, Walter claimed that the governor allowed the power of his office to make him rotten, and that he had a relationship with local gangsters and used them to silence the opposition. It wasn't long before Isidore Blumenfeld, the head of the crime family Walter believed were in the governor's pocket, invited him to a meeting where he attempted to bribe him in order to stop his exposés. Walter refused, and Isidore had one of his associates beat up the writer not long after their talk. Walter tried and failed to press charges against the family, which only cemented his beliefs of citywide corruption. Soon after, Walter found himself under arrest and prosecuted on kidnapping and sodomy charges, but was acquitted and released after evidence of perjury came to light. Instead of letting the near-miss scare him, it lit a fire under him and Walter began escalating his attacks against the government. Putting out a list of reasons he thought Floyd B. Olson should be impeached and publishing it on the front page of the Midwest American, Isidore Blumenfeld had a man named Meyer Schuldberg call the Liggett home and threatened to sue him for slander. Walter responded, go ahead if you think I can't prove what I say. Telling him that there were other ways to shut him up, the call ended and Walter's fate was sealed. On December 9th, 1935, just before 6 p.m., Walter Liggett stepped out of his car and was met with a barrage of bullets from a submachine gun. Groceries in hand, the car drove up and pulled the trigger while his wife Edith and daughter Marta were in the car just feet away. Beside herself and crying out that she would never forget the grinning face of the man who killed her husband, Edith picked Isidore Blumfeld out of a police lineup along with three other witnesses. With no doubt that the criminal killed the 49-year-old writer, the murder immediately led to calls by the public to end the corruption in their city. In the end, however, corruption would ultimately win out. In a trial that made worldwide headlines, witnesses bravely took the stand and testified that Isidore Blumenfeld was the killer. The car that was used in the killing was tracked down and found to have belonged to Myers Schuldberg, the man who threatened Walter over the phone, and a number of other viable pieces of evidence connected the crime family to the murder. 
Despite all of this, however, Isidore Blumenfeld was somehow acquitted and no one was ever charged for Walter's murder. Edith Liggett knew the chances of conviction were slim and firmly believed that he was acting on behalf of Floyd B. Olson. Isidore went on to remain a major organized crime figure until prosecuted during the Eisenhower and Kennedy administrations and dying of heart disease in 1981. Walter William Liggett's murder remains officially unsolved. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to A Terrible Thing Happened on December 10th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.